0: Before we get started, I just wanted to thank you guys for coming back for another episode of The Places You'll Go. If you enjoy the podcast and want to get involved in the community or take a guess at our weekly photo teasers, like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ThePlacesYG. If you have your own amazing stories to tell us, feedback about the show, or ideas for upcoming episodes, feel free to email us at yg at gmail.com or visit anchor.fm forward slash ThePlacesYG to leave us a text or voice message. Finally, if you want more people to find out about how awesome this show is, follow us on Spotify and Overcast, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Now, without further ado, enjoy this week's episode.
1: This is a Wandering Hippies production.
0: Kelly, you want to hear knock-knock joke? Okay.
2: Knock-knock. Who's
0: there? Ah. Ah, who? Werewolves of London.
2: Oh my (laughs) god, I
1: am so proud of that. So
2: proud.
0: <laughs> anyway, welcome to the final week of the six weeks of Halloween. Whoa. We're here with Miss Callie.
2: Hello, I am back.
0: What's your Instagram handle? Oh fuck. Let's plug it. And I
2: will. I plug mean, we'll tag
0: it. you anyway, but I
2: still. Might as well, I would actually follow her it. at oh
1: fuck on Instagram. <laughs> yeah.
2: I actually have a Twitter as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. For my art, it's at Glitchy Neko, capital G, capital N, because I am an anime bitch.
0: At Glitchy Neko, and then what was the other one? Or and what's your.
2: My Insta is just my name, Callie underscore Rose DE, all lowercase.
0: Callie Rose DE on Instagram. So she's going to be joining us this week. For her usual color commentary and just antics that we typically experience when she's in the room. Mm-hmm.
3: So um, much fun.
0: Always. We always have a blast with Callie in the house.
1: <laughs> She'll eat us out of house and home if we'll allow it.
0: Indeed. And we've also got the uh, the cats are in the house this week, so we imported some cats to make it even spookier. Just kidding. We're watching Macy's Cats.
2: Sadly,
1: they're not black cats. So no, they're
0: not black cats, but they're fun. Dad.
1: But their
2: souls are black. <laughs> Am I right, Macy? She's not here to defend it. <laughs> so we can, we can shit talk them all we want.
1: They're precious.
0: They are fun. We're glad, we're glad they're here. But let's get serious. Our location this week is one very few people know about in the first place, and even fewer people actually live in. There might just be a reason that it's basically devoid of habitation, but that's what we're here to find out. So let's head into the shuttered mines and shadowed mountains of Hellier, Kentucky. woo So that's Callie.
1: That's Lakin. And that's my boy, Chance.
0: <laughs> and these are the six weeks of Halloween. so this week has actually had a really exciting true crime development for those of us who like true crime and that is basically really to summarize the story i was right
1: Alec Baldwin accidentally shot someone.
0: That's not it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That, is, that did happen.
1: It's really sad, and I feel bad for everyone involved. Yeah,
0: and he feels really bad, too.
1: Yes, yeah. obviously. I, I don't know how...
0: With a prop gun, yeah. he accidentally killed somebody. But,
3: Yikes.
0: But that's actually not what I was talking about. What, I knew. <laughs> what I was talking about is, I was right, Brian Laundrie's dead in a swamp. Oh, I yeah. said he was dead in a swamp. I was right. I, I don't get to say I'm right very often, but I'm saying it right now.
2: That's an understatement, Chance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean, ma'am.
2: Uh, you do, bud. Oh, I do hear that. Shit! <laughs> yeah. well, I'm your guest! I'm, I'm your
3: guest.
0: So we've got that true crime development this week, and of course we will be watching very closely to see how this all plays out. I'm interested to find out more about what actually took place, how he died, whether it was death by suicide, or whether... He was killed dog. and dumped.
2: Dog abouting. You, you
0: think dog got him? I think dog <laughs> just got fucking him. Did you, him in the swamp. did you
1: see that? Like dog was like he's a, he believes in he is a satanist because he read a Chuck Palenuk book, and I was just like, holy shit! Yeah, yeah. I'm a satanist. <laughs> We're all Satanists. I have I read know. more than one Chuck Palenuk. That... Listen,
0: let me just tell you how quickly I lose respect for you analyzing any situation when you bring up satanic worship. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, okay, I'm out. That's it. Yeah. I don't care what you have to say anymore. <laughs>
2: the series I've been I've been recently haunted on Netflix yeah. um sometimes brought up satanic cults. I'm like, shut up.
0: Every every like paranormal slash true crime thing eventually will bring up
2: it's a satanic cult.
0: Yeah, there was evidence of satanic worship.
2: It's just the occult.
0: Yeah, it's well and then and really like
2: and just some edgy teens who just like don't like, yeah, 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 specifically like have all, and they really
0: fed things. off of a lot of teens fed off of the satanic panic. Yeah, like they knew their parents were so terrified of it, so well, let's go do it. Yeah, let's just let's go do some rituals and kill a goat because we know our parents are so scared of this.
1: They're yeah. now sociopaths. Well, they well, were then. Yeah.
0: They were then, but
1: they are now. For but the
0: kids that didn't go kill goats. And just went and did like drew pentagrams on shit. We're literally just doing it to piss off the uh, the adults in the 80s and 90s. So so if you're a parent of someone in the 80s and 90s, you were duped. you Just saying.
2: Satanic rituals. I used
1: happy. to I used to draw pentagrams at church, like on the <laughs> communion, <laughs> on like the offering envelope. I would be like. I- Didn't want to be here today. I'm hungover, and my mom made me come, but she doesn't know I'm hungover. Grandma, cover your ears. Grandma? (laughs) Grandma?
0: I don't think she listens anymore, but...
1: (laughs) Grandma, I'm sorry. I did it because I was a spiteful teenager, not because I worship Satan. (laughs) Hail
0: Satan! (laughs) No. But my larger point to all that was, we'll be watching closely the developments with the the Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie case. We're very interested to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't have a ton, just like before, don't have a ton of comment on it because we just know so very little. It's an active investigation. It's hard to know what's going on Mm -hmm. or any truth behind anything, so.
2: We'll just have to wait till the Netflix docuseries. Yes,
0: when Netflix drops the next uh, docuseries about the Gabby Petito case, then we're here for it. So, hell, you're Kentucky. That's where we're at this week. And that name in and of itself is foreboding. like. It's a town named Hellyer. Yeah. And anyone who knows anything about the dark haunts and hollers of the Appalachian Mountains will tell you that you should be weary of those areas. So if you hear something strange or a terrible sound in the dark, it's best to just forget it when you're in the Appalachians.
2: Just don't be a white person. Be
1: like,
2: <laughs> Hello? Who's there? <laughs> like just Oh shut my up. god,
1: use my body. <laughs> shut up. Use my body to talk to the other people here. I'm giving you permission. Oh, sorry, Stella. <laughs> she is not giving you permission. Stella so
0: is. But the things that live in those mountains are old and they are unforgiving. Oh, yeah. God. So we'll get into a little bit of the history. But it, this is a, kind of an interesting history portion, because it's not as entailed as I normally get.
3: Because
0: hmm. it can't be. And I'll explain why. People have lived around the area where Hellier is for the better part of 11,000 years. And I say around for a reason though many of the areas in kentucky show signs of habitation that indicate stationary communities that were established as early as 8000 bce mm-hmm. and remained in those same spots for more than 1000 years let's put that in perspective the us has existed for not even 250 yet Damn. so these people lived in the same spot for 1000 years
3: the natives
0: this area around the appalachians though doesn't have any signs of permanent habitation
2: oh that makes why?
0: In seventeen seventy-five, Dragon Canoe, a Cherokee chief, was in negotiations with the Transylvania Company to sell much of the lands that the Cherokee claimed in Kentucky to this company.
2: Oh my it would be so funny if they like knew something was wrong at their land this land like, oh yeah, come here. Oh this just wait. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Now, it it is important to note that the Cherokee only claimed a very small portion of what would become Kentucky, West Virginia, and Virginia. The area around Pikeville and Hellyer is some of that small portion. The remainder of what would become Kentucky was, by and large, controlled by the Shawnee Nation. As negotiations for the sale of this land concluded, Dragon Canoe said that a dark cloud hung over the area, and it was dark and bloody ground.
2: Ooh. Oh, they were like, eh, I don't really like these guys. Let's give them some cursed land.
0: For the past 200 years, scholars have debated over what that statement meant.
2: <laughs> I wonder.
0: Was it a warning or an abbreviation of the area's history? The Transylvania Company took it to mean that no indigenous nations claimed the land and that they instead warred in this area rather than actually lived there.
2: Dumb-ass white people, let me tell ya. <laughs> when so- when someone who's, like, generations of, thousands of years of generations of families have been in that place and they say this is dark and bloody ground, that is not fucking war. That is a curse. How dumb. Okay, well, these guys had like, an 8th grade you know, education. The equivalent
0: of today's, like, 8th grade education, yeah.
2: But I, in 8th grade, I would know if people, if someone told me, yeah, this is, like, dark and bloody land. I'd be like, oh, so I need to get the fuck out. (laughs) Keep it. One would think. Yeah, but.
0: So, this interpretation by the Transylvania Company was, of course, very convenient. It was a very convenient transliteration of Dragon Canoe statement, as the company as well as countless other colonists would use the, quote, dark and bloody ground myth as reasoning to claim that all of the land south of the Ohio River and west west of the Appalachians and east of the Mississippi as uninhabited and therefore theirs to claim. In truth, indigenous understanding of land rights was very different than our own. Oh, yeah. okay. If you don't know, which now, yeah. most of us know, but if you don't, very few indigenous nations believed that the land was something that could be possessed in the first place. When they fought over land, it was usually for the right to hunt land or establish settlements near waterways, not to own it outright. Because
2: mm-hmm.
0: they're not like um, oh, or capitalists.
2: Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> was. And it home. was
0: never about we we gotta own this land because we might make money off of it. It was. It was not that. It was. We need the ability to hunt here to feed our families. Yeah. Yeah so this this would suggest that the area being dark and bloody ground had nothing to do with who owned the land and more likely a prediction or a warning
2: like oh, don't worry, we tried we
0: didn't yeah, go well. The Cherokee Nation recognized the Shawnee's right to hunt and settle in most of the state, and as I've mentioned, people have been living in the state for tens of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Moreover, Dragging Canoe would have only been talking about the northeastern portion of Kentucky that the Cherokee Nation held hunting rights over, where Hellyer sets. What made this land dark and bloody? Well, as far back as 500 BCE, some groups lived in and around the rivers and mountains of eastern Kentucky, but unlike their close relatives to the west, they remained hunter-gatherers and lived in caves. So that's kind of peculiar that they didn't begin farming and settling down as early as their very, very close neighbors. If you look at it geographically, these yeah. are people that are less than 100 miles from each other. And some of them are still living as hunter-gatherers in caves. Yeah, they built elaborate ritual sites throughout the mountains. And again, unlike their cousins, just a little bit to the west. For some reason, they didn't live where these ritual sites were.
2: I fucking wonder why. Hmm. Huh. It's almost like, I don't know, you just need to have 8th grade level context clues <laughs> to figure some of this stuff out.
0: Now, it should be noted that correlation doesn't indicate causation.
2: That's
0: what
2: they
0: say. So, <laughs> <laughs> so each of these detached events could be completely unrelated, but for whatever reason, the mountainous areas along the Kentucky, Virginia, and West Virginia state lines remained largely uninhabited in the sense of permanent settlement for most of its history with humans before Europeans arrived. The Appalachian Mountains are some of the oldest in the world, at 480 million years old. Life life was confined to just the seas when the Appalachians shot up out of the bowels of the earth. In the podcast Old Gods of Appalachia, they present the idea that the mountains, the Appalachians, were formed hundreds of millions of years ago as a prison for some of the most evil beings that ever cursed the planet. (laughs) No human was ever meant to live in them, let alone bore through them. This might be little more than an imaginary story, but the people who live in the mountains now think very differently, and obviously so did the Cherokee. Hellier's history as a city is largely unknown. What we do know is that a post office popped up in about 1906, named in honor of a coal company executive, and coal was the only reason the city existed in the first place. Mm. Even Pikeville's establishment is kind of defined by high strangeness. It was originally supposed to be at the mouth of the Russell Fork, deep inside the Appalachian Mountains, but for whatever reason, and we don't know why, public outcries put a stop to that. and moved the city further to the north, and out of the Appalachians.
2: I wonder fucking why!
0: (laughs) (sighs) Again, we don't know why Pikeville's original site was moved, but the fact that it was supposed to be in the dark hollers of of Appalachia can't be ignored. For centuries, the mountains have been dug into in the name of the Industrial Revolution. Men and machines have cut deep into the ancient stone in search of black gold. Coal defines this area.
2: Clean coal? Clean, Clean coal. coal. <laughs> we love to see it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but what I was getting to, essentially, is that this area and all of the communities deep inside the high Appalachians, which, take that for what it's worth, they're not nearly as high as some mountains, but they used to be.
1: They're not as high as me. Yeah, Yay. Just kidding. I am silver as a gopher.
0: But all of these communities existed because of coal. Mm-hmm. And when it dried up, most everybody left.
2: Oh, yeah. It's like the gold rush. Once there's nothing, a ghost down.
0: That's right. And a lot of the communities like Hellier were, had a lot more people in them at one point in time. And now there's not there's a single business in Hellier that I was able to locate, and I don't actually know if it's a business anymore because I saw it on the uh, Street View, but it did not show up if you like look on just like the regular Google Maps view. But it's yeah. a medical equipment company. There's a sign on a dilapidated building that said the sign looked new, so I don't know. I was I was going with it being the only business in Hellier, but there's basically nothing there. Yeah. And that's very endemic of a lot of the old coal mine towns. Then, in 1987, the second largest construction project ever completed in the Western Hemisphere concluded. The Pikeville Cut-Through moved 18 million cubic yards of stone and earth so a highway and railroad could connect eastern Kentucky and western Virginia. The only project bigger than that was the Panama Canal. If oh. that puts it into any perspective.
2: Damn. <laughs> yeah.
0: So they moved a lot. They exposed a lot of stone.
2: Yeah. That's probably not a good idea. No,
0: probably not. If you're people like us who believe in that sort of thing, it's probably not the best plan.
2: I don't even think as a normal person that would be a good... That much?
0: Though much of the high strangeness of this region predates this cataclysmic alteration of the earth, things kept getting stranger after 1987. This may be the best place in the world to explore if you want to see something strange, truth be told. And I know for sure it's someplace that I want to spend some time in, but not for the typical tourist activities. However, if you are interested in the tourist activities, we do have some of that stuff for you. So when we go on our exploration of the haunts and hollers of Appalachia Lakey, where are we going to stay at?
1: Well, I had a really tough time finding any bed and breakfast, so I went to uh, Airbnb. Good enough. I have the Cub House. This cozy little studio apartment is perfect for your little getaway. Professionally decorated, and let me tell you, it is a cute. Woo! <laughs> cute. <laughs> it better be. The studio is located near the University of Pikeville in the heart of downtown Pikeville. Mm. I really want to get the point across that we are doing
3: Pikeville.
1: Pikeville. We're not I- doing Pikeville, but these are <laughs> recommendations. Enjoy the fully stocked kitchen, free parking, and washer and
2: dryer. Oh fuck yeah! That's
1: really
0: Listen, annoying. if I have to pay for parking at an Airbnb, I'm not staying there. I just any Airbnb owners listening, I'm just letting you know that if I, if it says paid parking, you right. are I'm, you're gone.
1: Out. <laughs> and Heather is a super host on Airbnb, so make sure you Thank check you. out this sweet little spot in Pikeville! Pikeville! Pikeville. <laughs> 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 Alright,
0: so recreationally, we're not going to Pikeville. Ooh!
1: Not Pikeville! Not <laughs> Pikeville!
0: <laughs> right on the ridge that is the state lines of Kentucky and, and Virginia, so that's a very unique place. And that bre- that is breaks Interstate Park. Known as the Grand Canyon of the South, the park oh. is jointly administered by Kentucky and West Virginia. Or, I'm sorry, Virginia. I keep saying West Virginia. 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 <laughs> My My mama. mama. No. Insert West Virginia reference, even though we're not there. <laughs> anyway, so it's jointly administered by Kentucky and Virginia, and preserves the canyon that was carved out by the Russell Fork that we mentioned earlier. More than over the last 180 million years. It protects 4,500 acres of unique Appalachian environment, white waters, and natural habitats. You can check out the 6,000 square foot visitor center to learn about the natural wonders of the area. You can hike 25 miles of trails. There's also biking trails and uh, trails that you can take horses on, which is pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Horses, some
0: horse therapy. Yeah. Stay at one of the cabins on Laurel Lake or the 82-room lodge that is also inside the park. Camp at one of the more than 122 sites that are available. Do some unforgettable rock climbing along the sheer faces along the canyon. Or visit the water park. That's right. Oh, there's that. a freaking water park. Is wh- it
3: on that draw, though? No, it's built. That's what I thought.
0: But it features a lazy river and slides, uh, both of which are right up my alley, and a splash park for Callie and other kiddos. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. All right. That's where we're going this podcast episode. Okay. Everybody just has to hate on Callie. We love you. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Got also, the Russell Fork is one of the best rivers in the South for whitewater rafting. So that's definitely worth some time to check out. And if you would like to learn a little bit more about the park, visit BreaksPark.com.
1: Forward slash Nope, just that. Your That's
0: mom. It. Your mom. What are we gonna do while we're down there? What are the fun things?
1: Well, let me tell you. <laughs> the Hatfields and the McCoys, and I'm out. That's it.
0: That's yeah. all you need to know.
1: So, the Hatfield and McCoys historic sites, take the feud tour, which is a self guided driving tour. Hell yeah. Tune in your radio.
2: I don't have to talk to anybody? No. Perfect.
1: That's exactly you can do it alone what you your thought. car. Love that. Or check out the many trails that were named after these ex-besties. Oh, sad. I
2: wonder <laughs> if they ever rekindled their. Yes, reunion. they have an
0: annual uh, family reunion, a joint family reunion where they all get together.
2: I hope that one day our rivalry Start <laughs> Someone
0: a- eats the last of the fried chicken And that's, they just start shooting it out again That's yeah.
1: so Gen Z of you <laughs> <laughs> I just want
0: No, to it's just so problem. Callie She loves a conflict
1: it is oh, so, so does fun. Gen Z Yeah, you right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just like
2: conflict, it's very fun Yeah,
1: I hate it, anyway Pikeville <laughs> is known for their drag racing challenges Downtown
3: Yo,
2: Are we talking about cars or cars? Oh. Ricky Red, don't turn
1: They are held on the second weekend from May to, no, the second weekend of the month from May to November. Mm -hmm. And then I have Winterfest. This is located in the Pikeville City Park, and you can ice skate all December with holiday decorations and carolers if you're into that, which I knew Chance would be, so that's why I mentioned it for his little heart. We wish you No. Oh, wait. This is, is the Halloween last Halloween either.
0: episode. Yeah. I will
1: fucking murder everyone. Same. Except <laughs> for the cats and Stella. <laughs> and me. I wasn't seeing it either. Okay. So she's just going to murder me. Okay.
0: Yeah. You exactly. heard it here first.
1: Big Sandy Heritage <laughs> Museum. Check out what life was like in the early days of Pikeville. Along with facts that make the town unique. Civil War facts and
2: coal mining facts. We love coal mining. We love black coal. We love clean, coal. <laughs> clean,
1: clean coal. coal. And then, last but certainly not least, the Bob Amos Park.
0: Good old Bob Amos. Amos,
1: you think it's Amos? Amos I have no Moses. idea.
0: I don't know. I just I only Stringley. say Amos. Yeah, because Amos Stringley.
1: This is this is full of fun outdoor activities: hiking, biking. Take the kids to the playground. And a lot of people mention how beautiful the area is in October. So make sure you check out this park and see all the beautiful fall colors. Awesome. That sounds
0: great. Okay. So it's time for dinner. And other than a gas station, you ain't eating in Hellier. And actually, I don't even think the gas station's open anymore. Um, Google Maps didn't help me out, out much with that. But the point is, ain't shit in Hellier. So I was going to recommend somewhere in Pikeville since it's pretty close, but I found somewhere closer that would make a great place to fuel up before heading deeper into the dark haunts of Appalachia. And that's Ducker's Barn and Grill in Elkhorn City. Uh, Barn? Barn and Grill. I
3: love that. Yeah, same. This
0: place is just what it sounds like. It's a small town bar and restaurant filled with friendly smiles and a whole lot of fun. They have great meals to fill you up, like loaded baked potatoes and chicken fillies, as well as the best barbecue you're going to find for miles around, because there's not much else for miles around. No, just kidding. They really do have fantastic barbecue, according to their reviews.
1: You had me at Chicken (laughs) Philly.
0: Truth be told, there's scarcely a meal they don't serve, because you can grab a handmade pizza, hand-dipped ice cream, and hearty breakfast, all at Duckers.
2: Oh, my whole board, Ramsey, goes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: they also play host to live music occasionally and they're quite the happening place for nightlife in this rural corner of the commonwealth so be sure to check them out on Facebook at Ducker's Barn and Grill no apostrophe they don't have a website so check out their social media so it's beer palooza time
3: Woo! Callie you you have a
2: good beer palooza -palooza song. song beer beer I love beer we love
1: bear. We love beer. <laughs>
0: Palooza time. That'll do. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised to find out that there's not just one, but two breweries in the area. Pikeville, specifically. Damn. Yeah. Okay, so, my recommendation is Broken Thro- Throne Brewery. Ooh. It's situated right on Main Street in Pikeville, and this place has everything you could possibly want from a brewery. Live music, an outdoor patio that is pooch-friendly, and great food. Now, there isn't a ton of point in me taking the time to describe their beers because at the top of their beer page, it reads, quote, No ruler stays for long, and neither do our beers. Yes. So, they make no qualms about the fact that they rapidly rotate through their micro-brews, therefore staying true to the idea behind a micro-brewery, in that they only make micro-brews.
3: Okay. They make a quick
0: match, and that's all you're going to see of that one.
3: Okay.
0: They do offer some really, a really awesome environment that's completely worth the time to check out. So, I'm ready to go before we visit the hills of Kentucky. So, check them out at brokenthronebrewing.com. And with that, Lakin's got a story for us. And then the format changes just a little. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So what have you got for us, Lakey?
1: So, I have allergies. This is what (laughs) I have for everyone.
0: Allergies to the cats that are in this room right now, one of which decided this is the perfect time to eat her dinner on the
1: table. My eyes are swelling up. I am going to look like Quasimodo after this. Things that go bump in the night. As I mentioned last time we were in the Appalachians, a lot of strange phenomena happening out there. Uh-huh. Out there out in the sticks. Whether it's UFO sightings, not deer, Bigfoot, Foot, <laughs> Foot, Bigfoot. Or little goblins. Kentucky is full of very strange occurrences. Whatever the situation is, not many locals like to talk about it. But they do have rules that they live by. If you hear your name being called in the woods, no you didn't. If you hear a whistling in the woods, no you didn't. If you hear a familiar voice calling for you, no you absolutely did not. These rules weren't made for no reason, and the families that have lived in the area for generations have lived by these rules for more than a century. On the evening of October 21, 1955, a group of seven people showed up to the police station in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. They were hysterical, claiming to have seen a flying saucer land near their farmhouse in the woods. Upon landing, Tiny green men poured out of the craft and filed toward the farmhouse, peering into the windows, staring at the terrified family inside. They decided they needed to gain entry of the house. At this time, Elmer and John Sutton began fighting them off with shotguns. Now, of course, the authorities thought this entire group was nuts. But how do five adults that showed up at the police station and seven children who are at the farmhouse Come up with the same story.
0: So we, so we were mistaken. We thought it was seven that showed up at the police station. It was just five. But there was a grand total of 12 people there, right?
1: Yes, yes. Okay. The police investigated the area and found no saucer, no tracks, and no bodies. The entire group explained that the tiny green men almost looked like small monkeys with black eyes. Naturally, the police thought they were making it up. There was no evidence of anything happening at that farmhouse that night. The local newspaper heard the story and interviewed John Sutton to get the full detail. And even had a sketch artist come in. Yeah. And that's how the name Hopkinsville, or the Kentucky Goblins, was born. Now there's a wave in sightings from all over Kentucky. Ten Evansville teenagers had witnessed little green men in the athletic field outside of Lincoln High School. In true teenage fashion, the kids started throwing rocks at the little creatures until they ran away into the forest. Yeah. Of course they
2: did. Well, I feel like I that's just like defensive. rocks at them. Yeah. Defensive. You don't want that shit to come bite your ankle. What if yeah. rabies? Exactly. You're like, I want alien, to be your friend. Alien rabies.
0: I'd be like, take me to your leader because I don't like ours. I would
2: like to speak <laughs> to your parents.
0: <laughs>
1: A group of people swimming in the Dogtown River said that one of their members were pulled underwater and almost drowned. Their story first sounding like something from the creature from the la- black, not the lack. the lack, it's not lacking, the black lagoon. Until Kentucky Goblin story was published, and then it turned into them seeing a UFO in Tiny Green Men. Oh, so they kind of added that in. Yeah. Whether some or all of these stories are made up, there is something very strange about the first story. The 12 people in the farmhouse saw something, but what was it? Isabel Davis, a ufologist, studied everyone involved in the Kelly sighting and determined that, even though some of the men may have been drinking, everyone wasn't. (laughs) The kids were not drinking. Mrs. Langford was a no-nonsense matriarch that wouldn't have lied for attention. Explanations that were given later include, A meteor was sighted in the area, but that doesn't explain the goblins. Great horned owls. They look similar to description,
2: but have you okay? Have you seen how owls fucking run? Exactly that shit weird. Cute. It is,
0: it is. It's cute and weird, but like
2: not. Definitely.
0: But I, but also like, well, I don't know. What does it say there? That doesn't really explain okay. the ship.
1: So if they shot at these creatures,
0: which if assuming that that thing that that person was right in that they were just grey horned owls,
1: why isn't there at least one or two dead owls
0: yeah like that that was my that was my thing when I read that explanation. I'm like right, okay, so yeah, you're saying oh, it was just owls, okay, but they literally said like four people shot at them,
3: yeah. you mean all
0: four of them missed seven owls that were surrounding their cabin. They didn't hit a single one. Yeah. These are Kentucky farmers.
2: They fucking know how to they, shoot.
0: Exactly. They know how to kill shit. They
2: were born with a fucking rifle in hand.
0: Uh, yes. A fucking
3: right shot up out the room. <laughs>
2: As was I. My dad was like, I have
1: no sons. I will teach my daughters to shoot. And then he had a stepson. He was like, well, I'm still going to teach you guys how to shoot because you can't be fucking helpless. <laughs>
0: When the apocalypse comes, you got to know how to kill the zombies. That's,
1: well, I don't I think it's the Democrats. <laughs> for the him, Democrats but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um anyway, this doesn't explain the ship either. Which you know, did they see a ship for real or yeah. did they just yeah. Oh, oh, okay. But like did they or did they see like a door opening and they thought bright lights? Wow. But this is a very this is a very heavy. Area. This is a heavy UFO area.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's very real. What door would they have seen open?
1: Like a door to another another dimension. another oh, dimension. Another, another dimension. dimension.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
1: And why would so many march up to the house and try to break in?
0: If they were owls, yeah, yeah, yeah that makes. Zero, Owls
1: but, don't want any part they, of you. Yeah, no. they're not
0: gonna fucking go up and look in the windows of multiples. Look in the windows of one farmer.
1: Yeah, absolutely it's not gonna happen.
3: They're like, ooh, we're getting the fuck out. Official
1: tootsie pops. God God. Damn <laughs> it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Official explanations don't seem to make much sense. They don't seem to add up or cover everything.
0: Yeah, they, they both. Like the meteor, I get what, like you're saying, like the meteor thing would cover the ship that they supposedly saw, Mm. but wouldn't cover the goblins. The uh, owl thing would cover the goblins, maybe, in the most loose imagination of it. But not the ship. But not the ship. Because owls don't arrive in groups on a spaceship, sorry. Yeah,
2: also, (laughs) how can a meteor explain a spaceship when... Spaceships will
0: look. Well, because they didn't see the actual ship, to my oh. understanding. They saw the ship land.
1: Yeah. So. So, as people dive deeper, they concluded that there was really no reason for them to make it up. There's no. There wasn't. Yeah. But they're just like poor folk.
0: Yeah. And there was, like, I read that there was, like, an argument that when it, it got a lot of national press, people started showing up wanting to see the site, and they were charging admission to see it, like the family was.
3: Mm-hmm. And people
0: were like, oh, okay, they were just trying to make money off of this. Okay, but, like, I'm poor. sorry. I'm sorry if shit popped off at my place, if, if like, the, uh, a fucking full-body spectral ghost something showed up here at this house,
3: and, you and, people, like, and the, of it? the
0: entire country wanted to see it. I'd be like, yeah, $10 through the gate.
1: Dude, Come we live in. in a, a literal, <laughs> like, we are living in capitalism. like, and,
0: and we're we're not as poor as they were.
1: You either have to drown <laughs> or you float. And, baby, we float.
0: And these folks, the the Kellys in Hopkinsville, were trying to float. They saw an opportunity and they fucking grabbed it.
2: Let's take this trauma and turn it into fucking Let's make money. some bang. Yeah.
1: I'd say shit.
0: Yeah, I can't hate on them for it.
1: This wasn't the last time little men or UFOs popped up in Kentucky, though. 1978, three women were abducted. They all passed lie detector tests. They all saw creatures similar to the goblins, but didn't
3: say that?
0: They didn't call them goblins. Okay. They didn't, like, call them little green men, but they described them as having dark black, wide-set eyes, very short in stature, almost the exact description of the goblins, And they described their hands as appearing like the, uh, uh, the wings of an aircraft almost, which if you look at the drawings of the Kentucky goblins, if you imagine their hands spread out instead of in a closed sense, it would look like the wing of an aircraft. Okay. So it's like, and and I was reading a little more about those ladies. They also, one of them claimed that one of the under hypnosis, they said that she said one of the aliens took a skin sample from her and she had a burn on her chest. And another woman claimed that they literally removed her eyes surgically so they could examine them and then replace them. And she had, like, there was bleeding behind her eyes and eye irritation that would be... that That would correlate to a surgical removal of eyes but at that point in time, in 78, like, we didn't, we hadn't done such a thing.
1: Have, do we do
0: that? Oh, any yes, you can get an eye transplant now. But, like, then, if they removed an eye, it was, it's gone. Yeah. We're just getting rid of it. Yeah, yeah, you know.
3: absolutely. But, like, that in the trash it man. was just,
0: it was just weird to see that, like, their claims under hypnosis correlated with the injuries they had after this event.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. And also yeah. those who might be like, well, I have no I'm not been told about it. Hypnosis does not work like that. It's actually Right. It hypnosis is basically just suggestions and under hypnosis if you are willing to you can do those things. Like But yeah. somebody
0: but somebody who's doing it improperly for the for the purpose of bringing up repressed memories like an abduction mm-hmm. could potentially implant the, the idea of that. But what they were claiming correlated so closely with their injuries is yeah. what is what really screams like
1: This Um, is too
0: weird to ignore. This is too weird to ignore. Yeah. You know. Okay.
1: 1993 police helicopter claimed to have been shot at by a UFO over Louisville.
0: Which that's fucking insane to think about. Yeah. A police helicopter. So These are trained police officers saying that they were shot at by a UFO.
2: Yeah. I love that.
0: Like, if it was a military aircraft, why was it shooting at a police helicopter? Yeah. What else could the explanation
1: be? Right. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> okay. 2002, a train collided with the UFO. What
0: the fuck? This was a cool one, too. Obviously, you guys know by now. I try, I, I helped Lakin a little bit with finishing up this story. She. I love her to death. She's had a rough week. Mm-hmm. And I tried to step in and do my best to help her out.
1: He loves me.
0: I do. More than anything.
1: I didn't cry. which I feel like is a very great step
0: it's a big step but that's why I'm bringing up so much about this stuff because I've read more about it than her (laughs) so the train collision thing is wild a BNSF train the conductor and crew said that they saw something move down on the track in front of it and keep pace with the train and then they lost power to the engine and the UFO stopped moving And they couldn't break the train fast enough to stop it before it collided. Damn. The UFO collided with the front of the train, broke both of the front windshields of the train out, flipped over the top of the train, and hit several cars further back. Oh, shit. When they reported it, they were told to immediately return to the nearest shops, which I can't remember where they were, but they returned to these shops, and when they got there, there were hundreds of people there, like, People that appeared to be government...
1: In black suits?
0: I don't know about that. Here
1: comes black.
0: But they appeared to be...
1: Galaxy defenders!
0: <laughs> <laughs> they appeared to be government <laughs> agents of some kind. And they were incredibly interested with what took place. And the rail cars that the ship had flipped over and hit were removed from the track and took into a tinted area that they said was buzzing with activity. To be studied.
1: That's crazy. Which is wild. And then we never heard of it again. And then
0: it just disappeared.
1: <clears throat> so the list goes on in Kentucky. And it and really does.
0: There's so many others and that it's I didn't
1: include. buzzing with strange activity. And maybe that is what brought Greg and Dana Newkirk to Hellier, Kentucky.
0: And with that, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, so uh, rather than me having a story to tell you guys, this second segment of the podcast is centering around the story that brought us here in the first place, and that is the docu-series Hellier, which can be found for free on YouTube if you're interested, both seasons. Or uh, you can rent it on Amazon Prime, whatever so you can you're
2: into. Support the or...
0: uh, It actually supports them on YouTube too through ad revenue. so Oh
2: hell yeah. yeah
0: So either way, you're supporting them by watching it. but you don't have to pay for it on YouTube. You just have to watch ads, which whatever. So be it. Yeah. And it's a great docu series. But the point of all that is it's the Kentucky Goblins that kind of piqued the interest of Greg and Dana Newkirk in the first place. Okay, So we talked about how they, the, those goblins, kind of started off the high strangeness in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the account of a gentleman by the name of David Christie. So he gave an account of some small, strange, green cre- creatures with wide-set eyes that terrorized his family around Hellier, Kentucky in the 2010s. Like so much too so to the point that like his daughter was terrified to sleep in her own room. Animals yeah. animals went missing. Oh, like yeah, these were some wild accounts. All of the account these accounts were be, were given via email to Greg Newkirk. New, Greg Newkirk, a paranormal investigator. Why him? We don't know.
1: Because he, because, I'm sure this is why, Greg, nor Dana, they, they are not looking for just ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are looking for evidence of anything. Yeah. And I think that's why maybe this person reached out. And that could be.
2: Yeah, you can go to Ghost
1: Adventures and be like, yeah, there's some green goblins in my backyard. They right. did. They do, would do it. They did do ep- an episode on the Tommyknockers. Yeah. Which, but they
0: spun it. I mean, I guess we'll get into this a little more, but they spun it when they did that episode that it was some sort of a, a
1: miners, haunting in the mind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe. But... but... So with this kind of... With this account that David Christie gave, this is really when the high strangeness around Hellier begins. Hmm. So Dana and Greg Newkirk, as well as a couple of their team members, people that were working with them on the show, which whose names I don't remember, but anyway, <laughs> they all went to Hellier mm-hmm. to try and meet David Christie and find out more about this because the emails had mysteriously stopped. With no logical explanation as to why they stopped. They show up in Hellyer to try and find him, and nobody in the town has ever heard of him. This is a town of a couple hundred people at the most.
2: So that's because I went to a place that had a couple hundred people at the most. That's fucking impossible.
0: That no one knew who he was? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Nobody
0: they spoke to had ever heard the last name Christy. Didn't I mean, know anybody named David Christie. He claimed to have been a doctor, and nobody knew of any doctors that had lived in Hellier for decades.
2: Oh my god, it's like he just fucking vanished and wasn't, huh.
0: Yeah. So, th- that kind of, like, discouraged Greg and Dana. Yeah. They, they were kind of like, well, okay, maybe, maybe this guy doesn't exist. Maybe, maybe we got trolled.
1: Maybe it's some other
2: paranormal team that hates us.
0: Yeah, maybe it's somebody fucking with us trying to get us to waste our time in Hellier Kentucky
2: mm, so that they can get our all our products.
0: Then they get an email from a gentleman by the name of Terry Rist. <laughs>
2: okay, hold on. Uh-huh <laughs> You picked
0: up on that quick.
2: <laughs> Terry Rist, I wonder who this must be
0: Terry Rist
2: <laughs> Is this Isis? is ISIS? <laughs> is, is ISIS?
0: And he encouraged them to keep hunting in Hellier because there was more to be found. How this seemingly detached individual would know that they were in Hellier in the first place?
2: It sounds like they're an actual terrorist. It's weird. It's weird. And the
0: email was cryptic with random letters capitalized for no apparent reason, words that don't normally have a space in them spaced out. Like it—it it was just a very strange email. But in essence, it told them, "Don't give up in hell." Either. And then from that point, things just kept getting weirder. Terry Wrist, or Terry R Wrist, was interviewed in the 1970s by Alan Greenfield for a book that he was writing called "The Secret Cipher of the Euphon." which claimed to be a secret code that travelers from other worlds used to communicate with each other. And Alan Greenfield believed that he had broken that code. And that certain words correlated to numbers within the code that could then be put back through the code and brought into other terms. The whole reason that Terry R. Rist was interviewed by Alan Greenfield is because he claimed to have... Known, personally, a gentleman by the name of Indrid Cold. Okay.
1: Does that sound familiar to anyone?
0: If you've listened to this podcast, it does.
1: Mm -hmm. Callie's like, no, I haven't.
0: Indrid Cold, or the Smiling Man, was a humanoid that was first sighted in West Virginia along Interstate 77 Mm -hmm. in 1966. The same time the Mothman incident began in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Indrid Cold, he's usually wearing strange clothing. uh, Something neon in color, like neon green, neon blue, whatever it may be. But this led people to believe that he was probably an extraterrestrial. Mm -hmm. The first man in West Virginia that interacted with him... As he spoke with Indrid, Indrid knew who he was already.
2: Oh, what the fuck?
0: And Indrid communicated with him through telekinesis, not through words. Oh. uh Terry R. 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 Wrist supposedly personally knew Indrid Cold. Because Indrid Cold was somebody who had traveled here from another planet and had decided to stay here, despite being told not to. And maybe Indrid Cold was Terry Wrist. We don't know.
2: Hmm. That'd be interesting. But. That would explain why some things were capitalized. And spaced out weird, because an alien wouldn't really know.
0: Well, their kind of thought process on the weird capitalizations and spaces and stuff like that is that it was supposed to be code. Things that were supposed to be run through the cipher of the euphenots.
3: Hmm.
0: Because it was. Harry Rist that helped Alan Greenfield figure out the cipher. Mm. So if you, like, some of the words that they spaced out, if you took them separately instead of as one word and run through the cipher, they came up with a different result. Hmm. So, I don't know. It's weird stuff. and It's so hard to explain if you haven't watched the docuseries, but it's wild. Watch it. As we learn in season two of Hellier, Indrid Cold is probably dead. Another woman whom they interviewed on the show, who claimed to be close friends with Indrid Cold, said that he died in an accident. Hmm. So, we don't actually know what connection Terry Rist has to the Hellier Goblins, but he says to to Greg and Dana Newkirk in an email, Hellier was just a symptom. So what does that mean? I... Hellier was just a symptom.
2: okay symptom of fucking around with earth.
0: <laughs>
2: I feel like honestly, if aliens do exist and are disintelligent intelligent like build spaceships and can visit, they have to know we're one of the dumbest places to ever be.
1: Oh, or you could think of it as a symptom as just like a flare up of activity kind of. Like this is just a symptom. There's and like,
0: that's and that's kind that. of what I'm getting to. So, throughout the Appalachian Mountains, there's thousands of miles of caves that all connect deep below the mountains. Could the Hopkinsville goblins be the same thing that David Christie saw in Hellier if David Christie was real in the first place? So,
1: they're not aliens? Or they are aliens?
0: Not. Or maybe they are. Or maybe they're aliens that live in the caves.
1: And maybe it's an alien, but from the same different realm, same planet.
0: Oh, just wait. Oh,
1: God, fuck.
0: Uh, So individuals around Hellier actually found tracks in the caves that universities could not identify as any known extant or extinct animal. Mm Hmm. They were three-toed, just like the Hopkinsville goblins, strangely spaced out, and too thick to be a bird. So it's. Velociraptor! Some strange stuff in the cave. For That's sure. For sure.
2: Velociraptor! <laughs>
0: now, it is important to note that Kentucky is not the only place where small, strange creatures have been seen.
2: There was one. sighting I know of. Iowa. Around right, Des Moines County, 2003.
3: June 13th. Was it you? So when I, I came Hala. out screaming
2: like a fucking banshee, they're like, a, <gasps> a goblin! A oh. goblin! Put it back. And
0: she hasn't changed to this day. No.
2: uh -uh. (laughs) I bewildered scientists everywhere.
0: (laughs) True. But what I was getting at, other than Callie, is that small creatures known as the knockers or Tommy knockers have been seen throughout the world. England, Scotland, Ireland, all over the U.S. And Mm -hmm. I mean everywhere, everywhere. From the Appalachians to the Rockies to the Far West. But what about all of this was such a big deal that Terry wanted them to keep investigating? They, while they were there, they documented a ton of paranormal activity in Hellier, like spirit box voices. Uh, they did that. Um, it's called Estes the Estes method, method, where one person puts on noise canceling headphones that are hooked to the spirit box.
2: I saw that in that episode.
0: Did you? I didn't realize you got that far.
1: Yeah. I yeah. was
2: asleep.
0: Oh, yeah. I was watching, I was like, what the
2: fuck is going on?
0: So they, so they, for those that don't know, they put on uh, blinders, or they, they put on a cover over their eyes, put mm-hmm. on noise-canceling headphones that are hooked into an SP-7 spirit box or an SP-9 spirit box, and they just listen to whatever words come from the spirit box and repeat them as they hear them. So everybody else around them asks questions that this person cannot in any way hear, okay? So they ask these questions, and if the spirit box responses are seem to be aligned with the questions, that's definitely a sign that, Something is responding intelligently.
1: And
2: this... And they
0: were intelligent.
1: They oh. were so... It was... I, it was
0: chilling.
2: Weren't they saying that they were watching them?
0: Yes. They were saying they were watching from the woods and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh,
2: they were going to come closer, but then decided not
0: to? Something like that. I don't remember the exact interaction. Because
2: but. I think they heard, like, noises and tried yes, to point Yes, there were lots by. of
0: noises in the woods. And, and like, the guy that was hooked up to the spirit box was like, There, you got him. And, like, so they got a lot of activity.
1: That's the one.
0: And I do. Okay, so for those of y'all who aren't into weird conspiracies, thank you for listening to the six weeks of Halloween. We'll see you in a couple weeks when season three begins. For the rest of you, let's do Buckle that. up for a wild ride.
2: Yeah, boy, I love these some conspiracy! All of this
0: has to do with synchronicity which is defined as the simultaneous occurrence of events which appear significantly related but have no discernible casual connection. And allow me to take a quick note here about my synchronicity that happened. Yes. Okay.
1: I've been waiting.
0: So I'm writing this thing about the Tommyknockers, bringing up uh, that and small creatures in caves throughout the world and mines and stuff like that. And on the Wikipedia page about Tommyknockers... It's talking about Tommyknockers in popular culture. And it talks about there's a Stephen King movie called Tommyknockers and a couple, you know, a couple other things that I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't even normally read the pop culture portion unless it's something I'm super interested in. I'm like, maybe there's a movie I want to watch. But this one I was just like glancing through just because. And then it says there's a brewery called the Tommyknocker Brewery. Mm -hmm. I'm like, huh. wonder where that's at. I clicked on it. I'm supposed to be interviewing for a job in Colorado. Stop. This job in Colorado would place me working in Grand Lake or Grand, or Granby, Colorado. However, the closest community that we would be able to live in uh, reasonably that's not a resort community would be Idaho Springs, Colorado. Tommy Brewery is in Idaho Springs, Colorado. Uh,
2: what? Are you kidding?
0: I had no idea. And what in the hell are the odds of that?
2: Yeah, no, that's fucking weird. That, that is a really, Yeah, that's that funny. I
0: would do, talk about Tommyknockers. Mm-hmm. And then it be the name of the brewery in the town that we may end up living in.
2: If you do live there, you have to, like. Oh,
0: I will be there all the time.
2: Yeah! <laughs> that will be your new home. I
0: can only assume something significant is gonna happen there.
2: I hope they have
1: a cot at the brewery, because we're staying too.
0: We're gonna live there.
1: A- or a large cot, <laughs> a double wide cot. All of the snuggle of Stella. <laughs> oh shit, we're gonna need three cots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so the Hopkinsville goblins, the creatures in Hellier, Tommyknockers, UFOs, Indrid Cold, Terry Wrist, Mothman—they're all part of something bigger.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: At least that's what I believe to be true. What we know. Is that a map of cave systems in the United States correlates very nicely to David Politis's map of missing four one one cases.
1: Oh shit. David Politis, Dana and Greg Newkirk, they all need to get together. Look
0: up. They don't they don't investigate in the same way whatsoever. Oh I know. Yeah. But That's why they would be
1: awesome (laughs) together.
0: And before anyone hops on the Snopes' response to that meme that popped up about missing people and the cave systems and blah, 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 yes, I know that whoever dropped that original meme added some dots to the missing 411 map to make it correlate even better with the caves, but the real map does actually line up pretty nicely to cave systems in the U.S. Then overlay that map with UFO sightings as well as Bigfoot sightings, and you're going to see another pretty uncanny synchronicity.
1: They all line up.
0: They all seem to be happening in about the same places.
1: I love this so
0: much. So, I'm not a government is covering up something conspiracy conspirator theorist. At least when it comes to this, mm-hmm. but I would like to point out the very odd correlation. And again, correlation doesn't constitute causation. But something is something strange is going on mm-hmm. and it does seem to align quite frequently with national parks and national forests the thing is is that I independently have learned not just from college but mm-hmm. spent a lot of time learning a lot about the people who drove the preservationist movement mm-hmm. so like John Muir and Roosevelt it, it, yeah to an ex to an extent mm. Roosevelt protected them more because he wanted to be able to hunt outside of them mm-hmm. but like John Muir was a pure preservationist like they shouldn't be touched whatsoever and uh Henry David Thoreau and and them those people were not they were more about like sharing the resources we have and protecting what what little we do have and mm-hmm. stuff like that so they really popped off the national park movement that's why I I'm not in the and the, the parks are protecting something more sinister camp. Yeah. Because I really do think, preser- I think that diminishes the work of not just Muir and Thoreau, but tens of thousands of other preservationists and conservationists over the past 150 years mm-hmm. that fought tooth and nail to try and protect what little is protected. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like those places are protected because these people didn't shut up they yeah. wouldn't they wouldn't just sit down and shut up and let and let the government keep
2: like raping destroying. the
0: land for everything it was worth. Yeah. So so that's why I'm not in the the parks are protecting something sinister mm-hmm. camp. But, it, it, I'm not saying they're not, but that's why I'm not in that
1: camp. But why else I mean, like it's so whatever. It's not protecting something sinister, but it, at the same time it's a great place for something that doesn't want to be found by people could live. Yeah. Because there's
2: yeah. lots of land.
0: Tens of millions of acres.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what Hundreds I was about to say. Like I feel like if these creatures are more intelligent, I feel like they'd be more intelligent to reali- like intelligent to realize, hey, humans don't come around these areas as often. And yeah. there's a lot of coverage and I could probably make a night hideout. My little Bigfoot nest. You know what I mean. Yeah. And like for fucking, if I were a fucking Mothman, after my little son in West Virginia, I'd be like, I I gotta fucking go into the woods. Well, he
0: people. he kind of originated in a place that was protected, the TNT area. Yeah, it was he, a former ammunition plant that was converted to a park.
2: Wasn't it also radioactive?
0: No, no, that's a rumor. We found that out when we did the Mothman episode. That that's just a urban legend that it was radioactive. Like, they, yeah, they produce TNT, but there's nothing about TNT. There's there's no evidence to suggest that any product or byproduct of, Could of
2: make Mothman would
0: create a mutation like that.
2: Yeah, this ain't fucking superhero yeah.
1: shit. Right, right.
2: This is a middle town ammunition plant.
1: Yeah. That now that had some radioactive shit.
2: Oh yeah. because
0: Yeah, we were making the nukes in Middletown.
2: Hell yeah.
0: But let's forget the caves for just a moment and only look at the Bigfoot and UFO sightings. Again, they line up in a really weird way. There's some serious synchronicity going on. there. So there have traditionally been separate camps of ghost hunters, Bigfoot researchers, and ufologists, each believing that the other had nothing to do with what they were researching. And some examples of these traditionalists are the Finding Bigfoot guys, excluding Momo, Mm -hmm. Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures, both of those teams, and the Ancient Aliens people. All of them tend to think of what they're researching as literal occurrences of ghosts, of dead humans, Mm -hmm. hominid apes, ships from other worlds. But what if there's just a little more to it than that? What if the reason they all seem to correlate has more to do with ripples or tears in the space-time continuum than there actually being some sort of a massive ape we haven't discovered yet?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that would make a lot more sense. Because, like, that's to the... Because when I was younger, I was so into the idea of Bigfoot, because honestly, now I still kind of do he exists. I believe he is. It exists. In Me too. Yeah. Circumstances. But... When I was younger, the way I got out of it was like, well, they're right, like, except for the ocean, like, scientists have discovered so much of the world, but now that I've, like, kind of gotten a fucking, become a fucking weirdo like I am, um, I've learned about, like, ripples in, like, different, like, realities, and the fact that, honestly, different realities do exist, at least different timelines do exist, and- Who's to say that there isn't something that gets fucked up in it and merges them? There are so many fucking Mandela effects. There's so many fucking weird things that just come in and out and Agreed. you can't find a trace yep. of them. You're like, what the fuck is going Mandela on? Mandela
1: effects here? is actually really great. That's a really good like mm-hmm. example. Like,
0: yeah, and and like I I'm kind of in the same way as you, Callie. Like when I was younger, I was like a I was a Bigfoot. Traditionalist realists. Like there's an ape we don't know exists.
3: Yeah. But
0: as I got older, I'm like, okay, what are the statistical probability that there's actually an ape with a breeding population? That can exist in like yeah, that? in the US that we have don't have any concrete
1: evidence. Also, Pangea. Am I right? <laughs> Am I
0: right? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything?
1: Just like because the the planets were all or the planets, it's all the <laughs> the continents. Or pushed together, and then they just spread out, and then Bigfoot lost his fucking wife one day, (laughs) and she was like, oh my god, Bigfoot's gone forever, I will mate with this yeti to keep our bloodline strong. You know?
0: Okay, so I think you need help, but we'll get to that another day.
1: Pangea, if anyone agrees...
2: Comment below. I, I comment. I do. I understand
0: what you're saying. Pangea. 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 Okay, so, I wanted to look at the scientific side of things, as it pertains to this, what we've been discussing. In theoretical physics, quantum us- universes are a commonly held hypothesis, which in short means that... An infinite number of universes exist parallel to our own or intersecting our own, depending upon which camp you're in. Mm -hmm.
2: I think it's kind of both. Like, sometimes they intersect, sometimes
0: they don't. Yes. Uh, Oh, yes.
2: Yes.
0: Now, this can't be empirically tested, Mm -hmm. to our knowledge. So it's more of a philosophical question in nature, but it raises a good point. Schrodinger, Erwin Schrodinger, we all know him, Schrodinger's cat.
1: Schrodinger's list.
0: Schrodinger, no. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) Good, because I'm not ready to cry. Schindler's list. I'm not ready for that either. (laughs) But
0: Erwin Schrodinger suggested that rather than a linear past, Mm -hmm. we exist in every single moment at the intersection of multiple histories that have happened simultaneously. Which is... So hard to wrap your head around to think about.
1: It really is.
0: But rather, rather than us having a linear past, that these are all the things that happened. Many different things happened over many different versions of our history. And we exist at the point where the, every, in every single moment, we exist at the point where those multiple pasts intersect. Uh-huh. So all the things we recognize as our past are just an intersection of multiple different continuances of existence. Ooh, I love that. But, so, rather than continuing to fuck you guys, we'll <laughs> move past this for just a moment. In quantum mechanics, this phenomena is called superposition. Schrödinger's equation for superposition states that all linear equations, when placed parallel, result in the same outcome and exist in more than one state. Simultaneously. So, no matter what decision was made in the past, no matter what actually happened, we were always going to get to this point.
1: Mm. It doesn't matter if someone Well, that fucking sucks.
0: Nothing matters.
1: No one asked that for this. And we were this.
0: always going to be right here.
1: That's not true. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people ask for this, but I just want to be in like a can I just have like a stream running in the background with like <laughs> birds chirping and you know? I
0: I do want to say that this is a gross oversimplification because I'm not a quantum physicist or a theoretical physicist, so I'm oversimplifying to the point that I understand us as humans. We love to put a great deal of value on our existence and on the things that happen around us. Like we demand that there has to be meanings to things. That's like what was i um I'm trying to remember I was listening to a podcast that was talking about a it was some sort of a conspiracy theory, but to, to summarize it essentially, it was this terrible event that took place, and there are so many conspiracies that exist around why it took place when in reality, and Sherlock Holmes said this, when we eliminate the impossible. Whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. The conspiracy theories were for this were impossible. Mm-hmm. So even though what happened is improbable, it's the truth. We as humans, when we see something terrible happen, or something cataclysmic take place, we demand that there must be a bigger explanation to it.
2: That's why we've created thoughts.
0: That's, yes, that's why we create conspiracy theories.
1: Hot buttons. Hot button subject, man. Hot button I mean, issues, bro.
2: At least I want to be uh, a pagan or a Wicca, and I do believe in that. deities. I believe at some point. And even, even
0: that true. is an example of humans tens of millions of years ago mm-hmm. needing to place value on things that, that is, maybe have no value. I have
3: a that, feeling that, 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 that if
0: you look at it, at quantum in the in the sense of quantum physics. There is no actual value to it. But we have to have a value. We have to have value to our existence.
2: Because then we just have, like, existential and oh. crisis and we don't want to do shit. Yeah. We're not like these cute little animals that just can exist and not care.
0: Right,
3: right.
2: But I'd say that sometimes I feel like us as humans don't understand the impact of a collective mind can have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like we can truly think things into mm-hmm. existence. I don't know why. I just feel and like maybe. I don't but know. But that's also that's like that's the thing with saying. manifestation.
0: Yeah. And, and that could be certainly the result of of Schrodinger's suggestion, or or conversely, it could be like that suggestion could simply be that that in reality, no matter what action is taken and no matter what truly happens, like there there's nothing more to it. Mm-hmm. That's just the thing that happened. Yeah. And, like, it, it is what, it, I don't know, like, to oversimplify it even more so, it is it what it is. It is
3: what it
0: is. It is what it is. Like, have, I've said for a while now, everything's terrible, it's always been terrible, it's always going to be terrible.
3: Mm-hmm. Let's just
0: enjoy our lives while we're here. Yeah. But, that's not the point of this. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm actually trying to get to a point, we just are, t- we are tangentially minded. That's, the three of us Woo! do that. So. In essence, to my understanding, this would suggest that not only the Mandela effect is very real, because multiple universes exist multiple simultaneously universes. to our own, yeah. and intersect at certain points. So some people remember things that took place in different timelines or universes.
2: Like the Berenstein, Berenstein,:,. Yes. And
0: those are, and those are the most mundane examples of Mandela that most people would think of. Yeah. But there are some more extreme versions that quantum physicists and quantum, right, theoretical physicists have thought about and discussed that, like, in a different timeline, the Second World War never happened. In a different timeline, the Nazis won the Second World War. And we exist at the intersection at all times of all of those timelines, no matter what happened.
2: Feels like it was the last one.
0: <laughs> that they won?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not happy about it, either. Uh, either lessening.
0: So, if this is true, then what if hauntings are embryonic bubbles of a separate timeline? Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's part of this whole
1: uh, quantum universe
0: about. theory is embryonic universes. So, basically, they're entire universes that slowed down separate from our own. So we are overlapping with them. We have lapped them essentially in our existence. And they're happening again at the, they're, they are still trying to happen in the first place mm-hmm. as we are happening again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what if, what if when we, like, as, at, at the very least, residual hauntings, mm-hmm. what if that's little more than an embryonic universe passing through our own?
1: Oh, 100%. Uh, yes, I totally
2: get that.
0: Like, these people aren't dead and gone in their universe. They're still there.
2: That's why they're fucking so confused about us.
0: Or they, or that's why they don't acknowledge us at all. Because they're just passing through yeah. us.
1: Also, have you ever seen The Others?
0: I have not. No, with Nicole
1: no. Kidman. Have you no, ever seen I'm it? I've not. Okay, so, like, the whole... I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Um, the whole movie... Like, you are watching these people and this wife and her kids and, like, a servant living in this big house, waiting for her husband to come home from war. And, like, the entire time they're trying to find, like, ghosts in the house because there's something weird happening. But then at the end of the movie, you find out that they are the ghosts. Exactly, and so like it is just that's very similar, yeah. yes. like yeah. to the whole situation. Yes, like,
0: that is the whole embryonic universe theory, in essence. Like, but but this isn't solely about hauntings, really. Cause yeah. Because then, then, like, okay, so here's the other thing: is what if do either of you know what the megatherium is? No. Okay, so megatherium was basically the precursor to uh, apes.
3: Okay. Oh, Meg- yeah.
0: Megatherium was essentially a prehistoric version of exactly what every description of Bigfoot is. For hmm. its to a T, that's Bigfoot, but we know it existed in prehistory. Woo! Okay, so what if Bigfoot is literally Megatherium from a separate timeline, occasionally slipping into our own?
2: Or like it accidentally, like kind of goes through a bit of like a warper. Like for it
0: slides different. into our timeline and we're able to see it as though it's real and here.
2: Yeah. And because I, it
0: is for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. And that's why you never really get a good picture of
2: it. And that's why maybe it's so aggressive towards us. Because it doesn't
0: know what we are.
2: Because it's like an ooga booga, I'm monkey of throwing walks.
0: Right, okay. right.
2: And why it smells so fucking bad.
0: Well, yeah. And then what if UFOs are a timeline far in advance of our own? and are little more than ships that disappeared from their time before slipping back in, or being lost in ours forever, just like the Lake Michigan Triangle or the Bermuda Triangle.
2: That'd be so fucking funny, though. You know
0: how ships and airplanes go missing in those places? What if when we see UFOs, it's literally a ship from a timeline, separate from our own, way in advance, slipping back into ours, and it's disappeared from their timeline, and and there's the mystery of why they're gone in their timeline. Oh, yeah, and maybe nice. that's why aliens. We see them as aliens. Maybe they're not related to us in any way because it's a whole new life form that's evolved on this planet. What
2: well, makes and sense. they've
0: slid back into our
1: timeline because you know, we're extinct
2: too much, <laughs> or it's just like humanoids just rapidly having to change because of like climate change and. All that stuff, and maybe maybe that's why they're seen as like weird, like skin-tall creatures with wide eyes. Maybe they have to see wider or something. Yeah,
0: Then that that, black
2: maybe because of the fucking sun, because it would help protect against the sun.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Hey, okay.
0: So maybe all of this correlates to the cave systems because they're places where the barrier between universes or timelines is weaker. Yeah. Or like the West, where there's so many Bigfoot and UFO sightings that seem to be in the same place. And as we've discussed before on this podcast, I tend to believe that the exposed stone of the West creates a thinner barrier between the universes.
1: As would David Politis. Yeah. Yeah. Well no,
0: he's more of a Bigfoot realist, but he's a traditionalist. Yeah, you're right.
2: But stone, Momo might.
0: Momo might.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, we get him on the podcast. I know, right? Oh, fucking. Hell. Dude, I'd poop my pants if Momo was on this show. Okay, so <laughs> then what if the missing 411 people might have slipped into a different continuum? Yes. And I, I mean, Politus focuses on dis- disappearances in national forests and parks, but so many people go missing across the world without a single trace.
2: The Cecil Hotel.
0: In cities like Los Angeles. Well yeah, but what if But later. Later. True. But like there's but there's so many examples of people going missing with no trace whatsoever and they're never heard from again. Yes, it could for sure be explainable in other ways. But right now we don't have an explanation. Yeah. And what if it is that they literally just slid into a different timeline?
1: Yeah. I feel that is what I've been thinking this entire time for missing four one one.
0: Some people, especially fundamentalists in the cryptozoological and paranormal spheres, see this as kind of a lazy cop-out. And people who don't believe see it as a far too convenient explanation. To me, for those in the cryptozoological and paranormal spheres, if we're willing to believe that these things do exist,
2: to begin with,
0: then we have to be willing to entertain every possible explanation of their existence.
2: Yeah, like maybe Mothman was somehow radiation. Maybe it's timeline. Maybe he's just like... Because
0: I'm I'm not suggesting that they're not real. Yeah. I would never make that claim because I believe. Mm-hmm. But for things like Bigfoot and Mothman and the Wendigo and, and all these so many cryptids. other cryptids, there are, there are just, there, there are so there's so much scientific data that suggests that they can't exist mm-hmm. that maybe we have to look at it a different way because there is too much, there are too many accounts of them existing. And to, so then to those who don't believe that these things exist, there are too many things that happen without plausible explanation to ignore. Mm-hmm. And everyone who experiences these things might just be crazy it's possible but to me that's the laziest explanation i've ever heard you like to a lot of these people like to frame this whole multiverse or it all being connected explanation is just too convenient but to me they're all crazy is the laziest explanation
1: absolutely yeah
0: like oh they're just a bunch of crazy people they don't know what they're talking about they don't know what they saw They're they're confusing an owl with a goblin. That's lazy. But what I wanted to get to with all this, before we get off on too heavy of a tangent, because Mm. I could sit here and talk about this kind of shit all night because I love it. Mm. My point is, is that Hellier is incredibly interesting. Yeah. Because it is such an intersection of all of these strange things. There's cryptid sightings. There's paranormal things. There's UFO sightings. There's all of it in this one place, so it's very endemic of this thought process that Greg and Dana Newkirk subscribe to, that I subscribe to, that we are not looking at it. Too many people for too long have not looked at it in the way that we probably should. Absolutely. And that it is all so interrelated. Mm -hmm. Do I think that there are other beings in this universe? For sure. Do I think that they would waste their time coming here? No, no. Uh, this yeah. would be the last place that they would ever want to come.
2: Literally, even though
1: and if they it?
0: and if they wanted to come here for some of our resources, they would have already done it.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: because if the first sightings of UFOs were real in the nineteen fifties, forties, and fifties, they would have already been here and reaped the what they wanted from our planet. True,
1: unless yeah. they're here for carbon monoxide. And then I get it.
0: Yeah. Then keep at it. Whatever. But mm-hmm. but but my point my point is is that we are such an incredibly unremarkable species.
2: Oh my god, it's so funny,
0: huh? We are so unremarkable that there is an, an intelligent species that can travel interstellar that, that can complete interstellar travel. Would not waste their time on us. No. We are literally, that would be like us spending all of our time and resources, all of it, to study Scarlet macaques. Woo! Just them. That would be that would be the equivalent of an advanced species wasting their time on our planet. Yeah, maybe
2: so sometimes s- they come here and they're like, let's check up on those. So I think maybe
0: some of the UFO sightings might be. An actual ship from another planet that passes through for just a moment and we catch a glimpse of it. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I tend to believe that this is more an example of slips in the space time continuum. Mm -hmm. Yes. I tend to believe that UFO is, or that Bigfoot is probably slips in the space time continuum.
1: 100%.
0: I think a lot of hauntings are slips in the space time continuum. And I think that if you watch Hellier, and get to know a little bit more about Hellier, Kentucky, and the weird things that happen there. You're probably gonna see that there's a lot more to all of this than anybody thinks.
1: Absolutely, Ab- there is.
0: There's so much to it. Woo! But we'd better wrap this up because we're at an hour on this. Just this last segment. So yep. it's gonna take me forever to edit this.
2: Woo! You're welcome, editing champ. <laughs>
0: But thank you for coming for this episode, Callie. We enjoy your company every time you arrive. And And I love
2: stealing all your food and resources.
0: (laughs) And thank you all for listening to the six weeks of Halloween. Before we wrap up for the night, I do want to say just a quick note. When we start season three, we're going to kind of, it's not really a format change, but we're going to change the frequency of release dates to... Uh, rather than weekly episodes, we're probably going to scale it back to every other week. So we're going to be biweekly because I will be in a little more intensive classes for my bachelor's program. And there were a few moments that during just the six weeks of Halloween here where I was a little overwhelmed at times. So I, I need to pull it back a little bit to make sure that I can keep up on my schoolwork and all of that stuff. Oh shit, he responsible! I'm trying to be responsible. I love doing this show and I don't want to stop doing it. So we're going to start doing it every other week.
1: And we want to thank Mallory, Chase's mom.
0: Always. Mom always being the number one supporter.
2: We love you, Mallory! She has,
0: she subscribed to us on Anchor, so she supports us with a monthly donation and we appreciate it more than she'll ever know. It's amazing. Love you, mom. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: Yes, yeah. and as usual, and especially with Hellier, you're gonna have to get way off an of interstate to get there. You
1: are gonna have to ask people where mines are.
0: You're probably gonna ask people where you're at in the first place.
2: Yeah. You're like, okay, where can I get to this fucking
0: okay? And you're certainly gonna meet some very interesting people.
1: And hopefully,
0: these are the places you'll go.